Greetings, travelers. Welcome to the Law Seekers podcast. Grab an ale and join our two adventurers as they share their tales of misadventure in the land of Tamriel. Here they are at their usual table. Jibs and cash. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. It's a little stinky, a little creepy around here. A lot of our billions. Got, got mud on my boots. I know. I don't think that's mud. You may want to wash your feet. Is that poop? Boots. That Well, you smell in a way that you don't normally reek of when we sit in these taverns. Dude, who lets their buddy step in poop and doesn't tell them, Hey, bro, you stepped in poop. Well, I saw it coming, and the first thing I thought was, get out of the way. So I went, you know, we're walking in. It was raining. Uh, I just, it was a little dark. I couldn't really see very well. and It's, it's just, you rolled a one. Yeah, thanks for having my back. That's You're super. <laughs> what can I get you, boy? Oh, uh, I will take a shot of his sap. Gosh, is this the drink you picked for me? I'll whoa, let you pick this week. Whoa, whoa. Bro. What? That's like a tall request in Argonia. You realize that? No. Do you I, know where do you know where his sap comes from typically? No. <laughs> Besides the tree? No. I let you pick for me. What what is oh this? Oh my god. We're going to cut we'll cover it, but Am I there's a very pee? specific <laughs> There's a very specific Is it place. body fluids? Uh, it may or may not be. Holy balls. Are Especially you for I'm baby Argonia. Oh. <laughs> Especially for baby Argonians, but we'll talk about that in a little while. You go ahead and take a sip of that. Uh, my dear, I will have an Argonian mud nectar, please, because that's more of a normal drink. Coming right up. I hate you, you so much right now. You really should. Well, you let me step in poop. Well, yeah. friends don't let friends step in poop or order the drinks. <sighs> All right, man. So what's up? How you been? I've been good. I'm actually really excited to be here. We are uh, in a dark, dingy tavern down in Black Marsh. Uh, covering the Argonians this week, which is going to be amazing. I have had a week of ups and downs. Um, I still did lots of Tamrielic travel, but I had some real-life connection issues going on a couple of days, so I played a little Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Um, really working on finishing Somerset's content uh, so I can get the whole island all finished up. Right. But uh, one of the highlights of our week is that we took part in our first Trials Workshop for the Lore Seekers Guild, hosted by Blood Eye. Yes. And yes, she is our expert on Trials. She's from Down Under. She is amazing. And huge thank you to Blood Eye for putting on an outstanding Trials Workshop for our folks. We weren't. We knew we had interest in doing some trials. We weren't really so sure how it was going to work. We had uh, nearly thirty people in Discord. Yeah, for her workshop, it was awesome. I was really stoked on it. And then we ended up going to do a trial, and we crushed it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. I was able to listen in. I couldn't join you for the trial, but I tell you what, that was one heck of a workshop. Discord was yeah. just packed. Just packed. You couldn't even see the channels anymore. There were so many people in a single channel. It was just avatars everywhere. (laughs) It was good times. It was really good times. So that was that's my week in Mm. a nutshell. How about you? Mm, PvP. I'm still all about that that queue. 
And those daily rewards. I'm excited about the daily rewards. I'm super close. I've got one more. As of this recording, I've got one more day for the the Finnick Fox. I think that's how you say it. But, uh, yeah. I'm I got cool. mine. You got yours? Yeah, of course. I got mine yesterday. Yep. yep. It's cool. Yeah. Scrawny little doggy. Yeah, I, like, I dig that. So, uh, yeah, I've been playing uh, a ton of PvP. Still learning and finding for the first time. I really, really like melee uh, as opposed to being a caster. Like, it's so. It's such a welcome change. Because I, I know you and I both, like, we, we tend to gravitate towards casters. Uh, yes. But it is so much fun, man. Yeah. When you that that two hander is a heavy piece of equipment, but and it takes a minute to get it around. But when it connects, it does some work. Yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, everybody, uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us. This is episode seventeen of the Lore Seekers podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Jibs, and I'm joined by Cash. Yes, once again, as we said, we are down in Black Marsh. We have Merkmire on the horizon. We don't know when, but it's a coming. It's coming. So, we are finishing up um, a couple of the last racial motifs that we have. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're hitting the Argonian today. Yeah, we got Argonian and Orc. And then we're, yes. we're finally Orc's done the last one. Mm-hmm. And then we might start dumping into some other stuff. We're definitely going to keep doing lore lessons, but um, we are going to try out some different topics. And, um, hey, if you have a topic that you think you'd like us to cover, we've got a pretty good track record for listening to our folks. So if it's something interesting and it catches our fancy, you just might see a lore lesson on it. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, gmail.com or Twitter at LoreSeekersCast. Or you can even call us. I want to see more voicemails. I want people to call us. 765-382-6961. I mean, we're getting voicemails, but I mean, just... I want to hear more voices. We like tones. to hear sultry voices. Sultry tones. Sultry tones. So yeah, PvP, been, that's been fun. That's been going. Uh, you've been doing your thing, connection issues. It's a uh, fun week. It's light on news. Uh, this week on the, on the show, we're talking item trading. We're talking your fan mail. And then the Lord lesson on the Argonians. So, yeah, that's the show. Are you ready? I'm always ready. Hey, you two, give us some news. Alrighty. Well, definitely, as the time we were doing this show, watch, <laughs> watch them drop something huge the day after we record. But uh, at the time that we're doing this show, it's we had to record a little bit earlier, so it's been slight so far in news. But there was a really interesting topic that came up um, over at ElderScrollsOnline.com on the forums. And it was regarding item trading. And I really felt like you know we need to address this on the show because I feel like there's a lot of people who may not realize that this is now in Zenimax's eyes okay. So... I did some digging on this because at first I read this post. I'm like, yeah, I don't know how legit this is. And then Gina, community manager, uh, made a post, and that kind of uh, verified it. So 
Long story short, this guy, his name's Dr. ESO, put a, I guess a, what is it, a ticket? Yeah, put a ticket in, and he was wanting to know um, if, basically, trading... So basically, if someone buys or gifts you something from the crown store if you trade them in-game gold, if that's okay. And for the longest time, this was something that, you know, previously, this would never have been something they would have allowed. In fact, they even wrote a post here from an old response from Zoss. It says, greetings, trade gold, trading gold for crowns is completely against the rule. Same goes for providing crown store items in exchange for gold. Thanks, Michael. Uh, but this is different nowadays simply because... Gina has said any crown store item is considered an in-game item, which means it's no different than trading an item for gold like we're already doing. Did you know you could do this and it was okay? I honestly would have never thought it wasn't okay. So you're explain to me the situation. Explain to me how this would work if you were to get something from me okay. or vice versa. So... You find out, um, wow, Jibs, uh, uh, he really wants, I don't know, a mount. Let's just pick a Sigic mount, whatever it is. Uh, so we got a Sigic mount, Sigic crate's coming out. I really want this mount. All right, so you gift it to me with the new gifting feature, and in-game, I trade you gold. Yeah. Why, I don't understand why that wouldn't be Okay. Well, here's the thing. Before gifting, it was it was not, I guess you could say, it was technically not an in-game item yet. Because now they are, let's see, there's another post. Uh, let's see, this is from Gina again. She says, quote, to clarify, trading an in-game item for other in-game items is allowed. Trading in-game items for real-world money or other out-of-combat items is strictly prohibited. That being said... They're now just considering this an in-game item, whereas beforehand, it was just what it had been their digital currency. Like it'd be—that's the part that kind of gets a little confusing. But yeah, because to me, it seems like anything that was in the game, I could give you and have you give me money back, in-game gold, right? Back, and that's just a normal transaction players are doing that every day right so maybe that's why i'm having kind of a difficult time trying to figure out what's going on here the the official old response from zoss which is listed in this article is that trading gold for crowns is completely against the rules same goes for providing crown store items in exchange for gold Mm -hmm. so i thought that most of those items you weren't able to trade anyway right i thought they were bound so that's right kind of strange but then gina bruno writes to clarify trading an in-game item for other in-game items is allowed trading in-game items for real world money or out of game items is strictly prohibited that one i get right you know you're not going to say, because then you get into like eBay issues or like, hey, I'm eBaying, you know, these items off. And then somebody pays 20 bucks or 30 bucks or more for an item. 
of you know real world money and then they expect somebody to deliver the item in game totally understand why that's prohibited right that just brings out all kinds of problems that Zoss might get sucked into right because you could imagine could you imagine the guy who buys something on ebay right he buys a mount on ebay or he buys you know a bunch of motifs on ebay pays the money and then the guy on ebay who's a total douche never delivers those items and then said guy who bought those items on ebay puts in a ticket for it to zoss right see what i'm saying yep that sounds like a big fat nasty mess yes it's absolutely a mess and i can see where they wouldn't want to be part of that but you know this other stuff like if you buy it it's if you buy it within the crown store, that's your item to do with whatever you want to do with it. You can mm-hmm. destroy it if you want. Right. So I guess it's good that they have clarified this. If somebody has a different understanding of this, feel free you know, to write us. But this to me is kind of a no-brainer. But at least they clarified. I guess I just Sometimes. never considered it before. You know, because anytime you talk about you know, gifting something for money in a store, it's... I mean, obviously, games are trading, changing that a lot of uh, now anyway, nowadays anyway, with gifting and all that. But I just never thought of it. And then, um, yeah. actually, shout out to let's see, uh, community member. Let's see, where's her name? I lost her name. Uh, Lore Seeker Community and on Cat gave us the tip for the article. But yeah, I didn't know. I guess I just never considered that it was fine because it's always such a. Anytime you get money involved, it's always messy. And that's the reason why, I mean, heck, you and I even talked about why we don't do a Patreon for the show. We do the the merchandise, you know, so if people are going to buy something, they can get something cool in return. So, you know, they're buying a cool shirt or whatever it is. Right. You know, it's anytime you get money involved, like, people get weird and it gets messy. And so. Yeah, because there's an expectation. There's yeah. an expectation of some, getting something in return when right. monetary uh, value is, is exchanged. Right. And that's why I think that this, you know, the gifting system, I think, is fantastic. I'm so pleased that that's in the game now because now there's there is a way to do things like this if you want to. So I would have never thought that, you know, hey, Jibs, if you want this item, I'm your buddy. You know, maybe you're low on funds that week, whatever. I buy you said item and then you gift me in game with a bunch of gold because you happen to have way more gold than I do. And that's what I need in the game. Right. I would have never thought that'd be a problem. How are they ever going to track that? I don't. I you don't know. You can't track that. I mean, I mean, especially if you're doing a trade, because it's not like <laughs> it's not like you know when you're putting your bank deposit in, you know, or your your cash like a check when on the memo, you know, like you you can't put a memo on the trade to tell you know what it is or what it's for. Yeah, which is why it's so difficult for games like this to to combat gold farming. Who's to say that you can't go to any website, have a totally separate transaction with somebody um, for real money, and they promise you this gold, and then they get on their in-game character in-game and literally send you a million gold? Yeah, they can track that a million gold has been sent from character A to character B, but it's really not their business what the reason is. Unless, you know, they catch the overt gold farmer overtly gold farming. Right. 
You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. hey, it's just, it was money that was exchanged. It was, hey, I ran the guy through a dungeon. Right. I don't know. Is that trackable? And, you know, they probably don't want to get in the business of having to figure out those things. Yeah. Because yeah. then you're like, then you enter a place where you're like, hmm, what's acceptable? What's not acceptable? And that yeah. gets, that will get sketchy quickly. Yeah. And gold farming is not acceptable. I mean, it, it does ruin the economy of a game. And, um, I've experienced it in almost every single MMO that I've ever played. Gold farming is a huge issue. Right. So, you know, I think one of the best ways to combat gold farming that I saw was World of Warcraft. Yep. Because they made it, they made gold available via their, um, via their in-house auction system. You buy a token... And that token is worth a certain amount of gold. It's basically for playtime. So you buy a token for playtime and you sell it in-game on the auction house. Player B comes, buys that token that buys him game time for whatever the going rate is of in-game gold for a token at that time. So for $20, player A can buy a token, put it on the auction house and sell it for tons of in-game gold. Yep. And that was a really smart system. Yeah. Shoot. So. I mean, I know you took advantage of it. I did all the time. Because it was so- a legal way to do it and get gold. I didn't have to worry about farming my gold. Exactly. Saving time. And that makes that kind of brings up the question. And maybe shoot us a message or even call us uh, I would love to hear your guys' opinions on this. And maybe we'll, let's, in fact, yes, let's do that. Here's what I want to do. So for next episode, episode 18, we're going to, in the fan mail section, if we hear from you, it's going to be dependent on whether or not we do this, give us a call, 765-382-6961. Leave your voicemail. What is your opinion on Zoss bringing a coin system similar to Warcraft to the game? That's a good question. I feel like that would shred... Well, okay, here's the thing. This game is already different because we have the guild stores, you know? that Or the guild sellers, whatever the actual name is. Forgive me, I don't remember their name. And no, don't just send me an email stating what I didn't remember his name. You know who you are. You know that's coming. You know who you are. I don't need that email. <laughs> but, um... um but yeah, like I, I feel like that would really jack up the motif market. I feel like that, especially with the whole outfit system. I don't know that it would, because I, it's so hard to get a unified market in Elder Scrolls Online in general, just because it's so segregated. Yes, you have sites like Tamriel Trader, you know, that'll help you find the best price. But that's only if people are actually using that. Right. And, you know, it's it's so incredibly difficult. I ultimately feel like you'll never really find the best deal because Tamriel Trader doesn't track all that. I mean, we don't even have an official way to track all that. So it's so segregated. I don't. I honestly don't know how it would affect the market. Like, I don't know what it'd do. If there was a global auction house? Well, n- not that. If we had a, a token to buy for gold. Oh, a token for gold. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, if they were if they were available, to, you know, uh, game time for a token that you buy off the ground store, um, I think it would be a race to find a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I think there'd be a lot more people that would sub if they knew that they could buy a token for, for in-game time with um, in-game gold. You know... Back when we did this show, uh, gosh, probably at least 10 weeks ago. It's hard to believe we're on, you know, are we 17 now? Yeah. Yep. I always forget what episode we're um, You know, I was a very big proponent for the guild sellers, the guild mer- the merchants. I don't know that I am anymore, man. Like Just because it's hard to find things you're looking for? Well, there's a whole... <sighs> okay, so... In any MMO, you and I know, there are different niches. There are different parts that make up the MMO experience. So one, people come for PvP. Two, people come for questing. People come for lore. That's their shtick. Um, Some people come because they love to collect. You know, they love collecting all items from everywhere that they possibly can. They want to fill up their collections tab. You've got people. I love it all. That's my problem. I love it all. you come for everything, and one of the reasons I do, I come for PvP. I come for store and lore. Store and lore. I've said lore. Ooh, store yeah, and lore. It's hard. Uh, <laughs> but well, another thing that I loved to do was work the auction houses. I loved economy, and I, that's I love flipping items. I'm a business guy in real life, so th- you know this to me was part of an MMO experience because every other MMO, you know, it's had some kind of system that, I mean, every MMO I've been a part of, you know, we had the unified auction house, and I think I miss that, man. I I know they'll probably never do it, and I know it probably will never happen, but I miss that aspect because yeah, you ultimately feel like you are not getting the best price you are not anytime you throw it up on the auction house yeah you may have master merchant at the add-on you may have awesome guild store and it'll tell you you know when stuff's been sold but you don't see it all at once you know like you can't right you can't see it all but like to me from this is coming from a perspective of lore and realism in the game which you know that i like that type of environment in a game I don't mind the way that the auction house is set up in Elder Scrolls Online because if you were truly in the world of Elder Scrolls Online, please God, let this happen to me one day. Please, please, please. So you're really walking around in Tamriel, right? Uh-huh. If I want an item, I'm going to have to travel to the Alakir Desert to find it. I'm going to have to travel to Glenumber because I heard that there's a guild trader there that sells this certain item. So you got to go travel to Glen Umbra to find that item. So to me, I, I don't mind it so much because it really lends to the realism a little bit. Like I belong to, you know, the guild schnibble finders, right? Schnibble finders has a guild trader and that guild trader happens to be located in Shadowfen. through word of mouth. You may hear about it, and then you're gonna, your character is physically going to travel to Shadowfen to, you know, the Schnibs Guild trader, and there you go. There's, there's the item. 
oh man, I was too late. Somebody else already picked it up. That happens in real life. Right. So to me, it's okay. I totally get your point and I see what you're saying. But the fact that I love lore and realism in games so much, I mean, realism, yeah, I mean, we're killing, you know, mythical creatures. <laughs> I get that. But I like I like that little sense of uh, realism within a game. And if, if they do it the way that they do it with the auction houses segregated, I'm okay with it. It's kind of cool. I totally see where you're coming from. And I, from your point of view, I agree. You know, like, I, I, I totally, because I'm right there with you, you know, lore, all that. But, yeah. So, anyway, we, yeah, shoot us an email, loreseekerspodcast.gmail.com, or call us about the coin. I would love to hear your opinion on that, 765-382-6961, should TSO have that. Um, so, yeah, that was the news for the week. Hey, you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to do the, uh, so, the Sigic Crown Crate. Vault crate, crown crate, whatever giveaway they, that they did. Did you get your crates? I have my crates. I have not opened my crates, and I made a total. I made a total dumb dumb mistake. Dumb dumb dumb. I was having uh, internet issues this weekend. That was when I told you I jumped back into Skyrim. Yeah, which was really nice. God, I love Skyrim. It is so much fun. See, the way you talk yeah. about Skyrim is the way I talk about, I feel about, I felt about Oblivion. That's fun to hear. Yeah. It's, I don't know, I, just, I love Skyrim. I love diving back in. And who was I talking to this morning? I think I was talking to, to Mickey Shoot from, from our guild. He was saying that beginning sequence in Skyrim mm-hmm. where you're on the wagon never gets old. It really doesn't ever get old. Super that, cool. huh? Anyway, yeah, I love it. So mm-hmm. awesome. Okay, so anyway, because of my internet issues this weekend, I was able to log in and lag my way through <laughs> training my horses and killing something in the world before I was like, okay, I, just, I can't handle this, and then log out. So anyway, I did it for two out of the three days. But right. I logged in on Sunday, trained all my dudes... Trained all my all my mounts, and then I totally forgot to kill something, so I missed out on a crate. What kind of dumb dumb head does that? Well, this guy. The, the, oh, I don't feel so bad because I only got one crate. What? I, I was only able to log in on it was Father's Day weekend, and it and on top of that, I was celebrating a birth, family birthday, so pretty much my. My entire day, Tuesday, or not Tuesday, sun, Saturday and Sunday was taken up with family stuff and celebrations. So I couldn't log in. And uh. I got one crate. Now, you know my history with the last time they did this. Like, you got, what, you got the bear, I think it was, the the frost, what was it, the frost mane bear? Yeah, I got a couple. I got the wolf and the bear. Yeah, well, good for you. Uh, I got, like, consumables. It was totally bitter. I got a rock. I got a rock. I got a poison. Uh, I got an extra card this time. Oh, the elusive extra card. Your luck seems to be shining. And I kind of like this because I feel like it's... um, 
I feel like I'm starting to get a collection going. And normally I wasn't into these kind of, you know, these kind of collectibles before. I was into other versions of them. But I got the Sigic Horse mount. Oh, Secunda shines upon thee. Yeah. Never like been it, into, Yeah, I've never been into, you know, like horses per se. But then, you know, you, you and I with the Collector's Edition, we got the, I don't know, I'm not even going to try to remember the name, but the Red Horse... And then we've got, you know, now I've got Sigic, so I'm like, man, I'm kind of getting all about these horses. I know horses aren't your thing, but I think it may make them. Yeah. But the Pasigic horse, that old Pasigic horse would be pretty sweet. Did I say Pasigic? No, I said that just to upset the people that, um. Who are English, English. <laughs> yes. Don't no, and don't send an email for that either. <laughs> Please do. That's hilarious. My favorite. Here's my yeah. favorite emails. And first off, thank you everybody who sends us emails because you guys do. It's yeah. like every week. Sometimes you yeah. just you discover the show and you send us an email like, oh my gosh, oh I found your show, blah blah blah. I can't tell you how many people. And I'm looking at the numbers every week. How many people just binge listen to the show? It's like Lore Seekers and chill here. That's what happens. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I love all emails. Ones I'm particularly not fond of are ones that just start out with saying how wrong and terrible that thing was, and that's how it ends. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. We asked for it. We got one this week, and I was dying when I read it. And I know I, I think you had already responded to the person I responded to. I was laughing my head off just like, oh, my God, I don't think we got anything right last episode. <laughs> It was hilarious, but you know, to that person's credit, they were right. We um, we said something was from um, Oblivion, and it was from one of the other games. Anyway, we got that wrong, and it was pretty funny. So yeah, it was anyway. funny. yeah keep them coming in. They may, they keep us laughing anyway. Um, but yeah, if there's something lore wise that we're getting wrong, then we I definitely want to know about it. Mm. Um, yeah, especially like major plot points and stuff. Yeah, we want to make sure and get that right. Yeah, I want to make sure that stuff is right. Agreed. Holy crap, and speaking of lore and all that goodness. He is timely. I'll give him that. Enter my mind, Vestige, and walk with me through the shadows of past events. Well... We had a little announcement at E3, my friends. We talked about it last week. And uh, we talked about the wolves. Last week. This week. We are going to be covering... We're actually killing two birds with one stone this week. Because we had to cover the Argonians anyway. But now with the announcement of the Merkmire DLC, which is on the way. We figured we would cover our favorite lizard friends. From the dirty swamps of Black Marsh. And Jibs and I can absolutely agree. It is hot, dirty, nearly inhospitably inhabitable. It's gross down here. It makes me never want to hug an Argonian. Yeah. I feel, well, I feel I, like, it would hurt. I f- yeah. Like I, it's There's a mixture of scales and... Ugh. Gosh, it's like someone never put lotion on their hands. <laughs> yeah, and trust me, they do not want to hug you back. We're going to get into that, especially if you are a Dunmer. Dunmer okay. equals dead, according to Arconians. Really? Let's, All right. 
I'm coming into this blind. So enlighten me. Yeah, so the funny part is, and I think we kind of chatted about this a little bit earlier in the day, Jibs. This is one of our longer lore lessons. But when you read about the Argonians, there are a lot of references to there's not that much history. Uh, little is known about this. But it's going to turn out to be one of the longest lore lessons is on the Argonian. It is a very interesting race. Very interesting. And there is a lot of speculation in uh, their history and their culture. So I'm excited to cover it just because of that mystery. Um, here, here's one thing I didn't realize. The Argonians are, no, are also known as the Soxalil. And I remember reading one of the novels that the Elder Scrolls Online has. And I, the name of the book, I lost the name of the book. So Jibs, maybe you can look that up for me while I talk about this. But anyway, I remember them the mentioning the Soxalil. There's, there's only two novels mm-hmm. that are out there. Um, and it was, it was good. But one of the main characters was an Argonian. He, and they referred to him as a Soxalil. And I'm just like, what the heck is that? So then I got to reading about it. And I was like, ah, there's that word again. So Argonians are oviparous, which basically means they're hatched from eggs. They are a reptilian ra- uh, race from the very dank and swampy province of Black Marsh. But unlike most of the other races on Nern, Argonians are completely unrelated to any other race of man or mer. So they are their own thing. Um, the Argonians are believed to be deeply connected to a system of great trees. These trees are known as the Hist. And this becomes a big part of the storyline. Um, there's storyline about the Hist in Cold Harbor, definitely down in uh, Shadow, the Shadowfen area in Black Marsh. So you will, if you've done anything revolving around the Argonians, they're going to mention the Hist. So... Just know that we're gonna we're gonna talk in great detail about what the hist is and the tree and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. here is a little fun fact. When I first heard of Argonia, I am picturing Argonia as like all the other races, an island or a continent somewhere that we haven't seen or visited yet. That's kind of how I always thought what Argonia was, but it turns out, after my research. Argonia is actually just another term for the Black Marsh. It's hmm. the same thing. Okay. It's just called Argonia. It's just because Argonians are pretty much the only crazy race that uh, is willing to put up with the, the environment down there. Right. So, but anyway, Argonia, Black Marsh, super swampy rainforest, home to the Argonian race. It has literally been called in the Pocket Guide to the Empire, 3rd Edition, Black Marsh. Black Marsh has been called the garbage heap of Tamriel. That would suck if that's what your home was known as the garbage heap of Tamriel. So that earned the fun one of the fun facts for this particular lore lesson because I thought it was hilarious. Let's talk about the trees, Mr. Jibs. Very interesting part is that the hist, a sentient tree, 
that once adorned the entire landscape of Nern. This sentient tree is actually a race. Shut up. I was like, no, you shut up. I was like, what? <laughs> it's a race? Okay, it's a race of sentient trees. So they used to be all over Nern, but now the trees have, have really only been confined to the area of Black Marsh. Some claim that the trees are the most ancient race on the planet of Nern, even predating that of the Elnafe, the old gods, which that's a pretty bold claim right there. Hmm. Uh, but the trees are incredibly revered by the Argonians. The Hist itself is incredibly revered by the Argonians. They consider the Hist to be the source of all life on Nern. Hmm. It might be a little ambitious, but that's kind of what they consider. That's what they believe. So the Argonians consider the Hist to be both their prior existence and their afterlife. So the entire existence of the Argonian revolves around the Hist. That part has a very, very deep history and very deep uh, cultural followings by the right. Argonians. So the Hist used to be all around Nurk. What made them disappear and only grow in the Black Marsh is really not fully understood. It's been speculated that it was a result of the Elnafe Wars way back when. That was pre-Marithic, I believe. Mm -hmm. Because the Dwemer, or because the second theory is that the Dwemer chopped them down for wood. <laughs> it's like, oh man, that sucks. <laughs> I kind of equate that to uh, the orcs in the Lord of the Rings chopping down all the great trees right. um, for firewood, basically, so they could keep their, their, their fires burning so they can make more weapons. I'm like, that's terrible. But yeah, if the Dwemer did that, then they suck even more. Anyway, <laughs> so the history itself is said to be mobile, but it's never been proven beyond mere speculation, which... Could be another unproven fact that came from Argonia. I, nobody knows. There is a similar tree that exists in uh, Clavicus Files' Realm of Oblivion, but the trees that he has may be a little bit less intelligent form than the Hist. Um, the Hiss actually have the ability to form their sap into different things. They uh, have the ability to shape life and then even change the form of life which we will get into here in a second when we talk about how Argonians are, are born. It is said that the Hiss communicate with one another because they're all supposedly interconnected. So communication will take place with beings that ingest the Hiss's sap. Now we're going to get into why you ordered that drink earlier, Jibs, and why I led you into that trap. Oh. Okay. How's it taste, by the way? I mean, is that amazing or is mm, it a little gamey? No, I haven't drank it. I refuse. I'm. Mm -mm. Mm. Yeah, it might enlighten you. You don't know. Take a sip. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's bad. Okay, perfect. You just keep connected to this lore lesson when I tell you where that sap comes from. Okay. So the his sap is utilized by the Argonian culture as an ingredient for alchemical creations. Some folks use it for recreational hallucinogen, which 
I'm kind of hoping to have some <laughs> chips here in a minute. <laughs> but in Argonian offspring, the hyssop is said to stimulate various growth patterns, including determining their gender. So I'm not saying you're going to turn into a male or female Argonian. I'm going to change your But live on the yeah, air. but but the way that they that, that baby Argonians hatchlings get their milk, they basically get their hyssop. They feed on hyssop, but they get it from their mom's boobies. So that's that's they just shocking. drank Argonian boob milk. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Come on, man! I think it's awesome. I, I think it's awesome. There's so many things I want to say to you I can't say on the air right now. <laughs> or it might have come straight from the tree. You don't know. I'm just saying. I really hope it's... I hope well, it's any of you who are eating while you're listening to the show, you're, I hope you enjoyed your meal because clearly you're done now. He's like, geez, that was salty. It's so salty. Oh, God. But I know it's good Ugh. for me. That's... Ugh. <laughs> I'm repulsed. You can't see my face, but I'm repulsed right now. Yeah, get over it. You're fine. Okay, let's talk about the physical appearance of Argonians. They, as you've seen in the game, they resemble bipedal lizard folk. Long and short of it. They have scales uh, with gills on their neck, similar to fish. Gives them the ability to breathe underwater. Mm -hmm. Um, In this game, since there is no underwater gameplay... Zoss, please listen to us, and maybe a future expansion at some point will bring us underwater. But uh, they do have the ability to swim faster in this game. In other games, such as Skyrim, they have underwater breathing. Um, So you can jump underwater and get yourself any treasure you want and take your time. So they often... Because of this, and because of living in a very wet, marshy environment, they have distinct advantage over their enemies. So they are known to be experts in guerrilla warfare. So they will do things like preying on enemies that walk close to the river, you know, as, as their enemies travel. Um, they'll Enemies that travel in boats in the waterways. They have very, very powerful fins, propelling tails, and a snout with razor-sharp teeth and underwater vision. So fighting an Argonian in the water is incredibly dangerous, if not fatal, for non-aquatic races. Huh. Which I think is pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. I'm kind of surprised we haven't, you know, that Zoss hasn't moved in that direction yet with, you know, like something that unique from her, for a race. They, uh, maybe that could be coming out with Mark Meyer. Hmm. I do not know. So when swimming, Argonians can use their powerful tails to basically propel themselves through the water very quickly, very gracefully. Um, And then in combat, their tails also provide extra balance. Remember, they're bipedal, so they can stand up and then they got like this kind of a tripod type thing working where they can use it for extra balance, similar to the way a kangaroo would IRL. So it gives them a distinct advantage with balance in combat. They have um, many, many variations of cranial features, which include fins, feathers, spines, spikes, horns, and ridges for you to customize your look. Okay. When an Argonian begins his life, remember, as we were saying, they are oviparous, which means they're hatched from eggs. 
Right. So Argonians begin their life in an eggshell among clutches of many other eggs, similar to the way a crocodile or an alligator would. Right. Or a turtle. A sea turtle. Turtle. So once the eggs are laid, they are placed in hatchling pools near histories. So eggs that do not hatch or offspring that die are said to have lost their connection to the hist. Surviving hatchlings, you're going to love this part, buddy, feed on his sap, rumored to be from their mother's breast. You are the devil. I am awesome, is what I am. Anyway, throughout their early development, this is the practice, and according to Argonians, feeding on his sap actually gives the hatchling its soul, which is amazing. So when that Argonian dies... The Argonian is, he's, has a connection to the Hist. He's he lives a full life. When that Argonian passes on, it is believed by the Argonians that his soul is accepted back into the history and stored as sap for another hatchling to consume. And basically what oh. this is, is this is his knowledge that's getting stored. His experiences so another Argonian hatchling that feeds upon his sap or is nurtured around that same history will gain the knowledge of that Argonian. So it's like passing on the torch. This is what I've learned. And now as a young hatchling, now you know these experiences. I'm like, that's, that's pretty cool. That's freaking spiritual. <laughs> it's really, awesome. Really cool. Is that yeah. is now? Um, okay. It kind of cut out, so I lost you for a second. Is that rumored, or is that, like, fact? That is what they believe. That's what they believe. Okay, all right. It could be complete BS. But I choose to believe. Okay, well, I choose to believe that the drink you gave me is not boob milk. I think you might be wrong. (laughs) But it's okay. What's wrong with boob milk? We've all had it. Oh, I don't know. A lot of things. Was it Carry thick? On. We don't need to Was... just... <laughs> nope. Just... <laughs> okay. So, a very rare occurrence may occur. Argonians may be able to survive without the nurturing of the hist as, as eggs. You know, when they're an egg, if they're not near the hist, they, they may survive. Um, or without consuming the his sap when they're hatchlings. And this would go to show that um, Argonians that were, say, born away from Black Marsh can still survive. But traditional Argonians, the ones from Black Marsh who were nurtured near the histories, consider those Argonians that were not nurtured near histories to be disadvantaged or maladjusted and they claim that they're unable to understand Argonian social cues or body language because they're lack of connection to the hist. So basically, Argo- traditional Argonians believe that Argonians that were not raised by the history are full Bosmer, pretty much. <laughs> so, okay. Well, yeah. At least. All right. Yeah. At least it's ju- it's just what what's believed. Okay, I am going to bring in a fun fact. I loved this part. I had to drop it in there because I think it's so incredibly relevant. The Naga, right? 
We've all uh -huh. run into the Naga. The Naga are actually a breed of Argonians. It's a, it's a different breed, but they are considered Argonian. They grow up to eight feet tall. They had black scales and eyes and a big old mouthful of fangs. They don't have, um, their snout looks like it's a little bit uh, more tapered. Uh, but they live in the inner swamps of Black Marsh, and they have very little contact with other non-native races. They are in, uh, incredibly hostile to other races. The Naga are notorious for being the outlaws and thugs of Black Marsh. Okay? Uh-huh. The area of Black Marsh where the Naga reside is called Merkmire. Shut up front door. You shut the front door because this is some true stuff that I'm talking. I'm spouting fact right now. I love I dig it. it. I know. It's cool. And so, yeah, I take it in the DLC. It's Mark Meyer. So guess who we're going to meet? Mm-hmm. The Naga. Mm -hmm. they're, not very, they're not very good Argonians. Not very friendly. Yeah. Okay. Talk a little bit more about the perishing of an Argonian. We did talk about how their soul goes back to the history to pass on their most vital memories to new generations, right? Right. It is unknown what happens to those memories or to the memories of an Argonian who perishes when they are away from history. So say an Argonian who was born and raised in Black Marsh dies during the Three Banners War, say, on some lonely field in Cyrodiil, right? Right. What happens to his soul? So people really don't know if the memories travel to the closest history to where he passed or if they're just lost forever. It's all speculation. Nobody really knows. Right. That's the mystery of the Argonian. Is all of this stuff that is considered lore to the Argonian, is it even true or is it just urban legend based on their cultural beliefs. You know, that is it's such a cool I had I knew nothing about their backstory. And again, normally uh, you know, when you do when we're doing a a, a motif, a race motif, I don't I unless it was the Dunmer, I don't I didn't want to study up on it cuz I want to experience it with everybody. I had never realized that they have such a unique perspective on life with you know like passing on the knowledge and passing on pretty much their self to the next generation I had no idea that was even that important to them I just assumed they lived in marshes and they smelled <laughs> no I think it's more than that um, and actually this makes me want to um, I want to go back and read the book again where the Saxalil was such a big part of. Um, the book, in case anybody is interested, is called uh, The Infernal City, an Elder Scrolls novel. It's written by Greg Keyes. It is the book one of two. Um, and gosh, I just, man, we even talked about it. We've already talked about it on, on a, a previous show. I just wish. It's inf Infernal Souls? Inferno Souls, I think. Infernal, the Infernal City. Yeah, it's called the Infernal City. Um, okay. I just wish that there were more books. 
Why are there not yeah. novels? I mean, they would knock it out of the park with the amount of lore. Jeez. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you know, for Elder Scrolls 6, maybe we'll see a new novel. Well, you know that, like, that's, I mean, well, think about it. That's one of the reasons why, not to jump out of lore here, but, man, Warcraft fans, I mean, and just kind of stepping out of that whole community uh, probably within the last year, they are rabid for novels. They'll pre-order, they'll listen audio, they don't care, they love them. It's feeding their fandom. I I don't know. Here's here's the only thing I could think of, and I really don't feel like it's a strong enough argument. But it's the only thing I could think of to maintain the um, very word of mouth lore that ESO has, where it's from someone's perspective. Maybe that's why we don't have novels because then it would become official as a certain way, set in stone true um to tag on to that maybe there aren't novels because um the lore masters of elder scrolls maybe even number one they're tired of writing because there are so many books in the game <laughs> so i get that and well i mean really you look at there are no there's not that amount of content in world of warcraft i mean i think you can read some stuff but it's not as much yeah. written content as the Elder Scrolls by far. Right. So maybe maybe that's why. Maybe they want you to go in and find it on your own. Which is all fine and well. It's fine. But I love like expanding my knowledge while I'm while I'm driving or while I'm, you know, working in my garden or you know, cutting the lawn, whatever. Working out. Okay, I love expanding my knowledge when I'm doing those things and I would love to just throw on a headset and listen to an audiobook or actually sit down with a book and read. And there are plenty of books to read out there. They, you know, they have the um, the different volumes on the lore and the land and all that stuff. And I, I love those books. But some of the stories that can come out of this, you know, you read these quests and the quests are incredibly rich and voiced. Right. And so to put that some of those stories into a novel or some of the things that I, that I've read are covered in these lore lessons. You could have an yeah. entire book on the sea elves and the things that they went through an entire book on Isgrimor and all the things that, that, that he went through on his, on his journey to Tamriel with his people. And right. there's so much there and I'm not got off on a tangent, but I, I really don't care about all that. <laughs> <laughs> Because this is our show, and I want people to know how I feel. It's our job to talk. That's why you come. Yeah. Job? Wait, this is a job? I don't know. I haven't got my paycheck yet. Yeah, well, it's in the mail. I'll add a zero to the front. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that on Twitter the other day. It made me laugh. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the history of the Argonians, and you will laugh to hear that it literally says there's little that is known from most ancient histories, the Argonian race during the, the Dawn era, the Merithic era, and the first eras. And here's why. The race was incredibly confined to their own society and uh, the regions of Argonia or Black Marsh. Because of this, they were largely removed from much of Tamriel's history during those periods. And 
I kind of, this next part I kind of thought was really noble of them and, and kind of humble. And maybe it lends to how they are as a people. You know, they're very, they're, they're kind of a quiet race that very much sticks to themselves. And we're going to get into why. But the very, the few Argonians during those time periods, and specifically the Don Merithic and First Eras, the few Argonians that did venture out of the home region of Black Marsh showed more interest in integrating with the greater society of Tamriel rather than sharing their own stories and their own tales of origin. And when I read that, I went, I, I, would, I need to look more into that and find out what examples the writers of these wikis got that from. Because it gave me a greater respect for the Argonian race. Right. And we need more of that here. We need more of that in our own lives of where somebody is less interested in themselves and more interested in what others are doing and have done and have to offer because it just, it lends to their curiosity about other cultures and races and to me, their, their kindness and humility. Right. So I thought that was, that part really kind of struck me as, man, I want to learn some more, uh, some more about that and how Argonians actually, actually are. Um, and they have had, you know, the history that we do know of them is, it's pretty freaking harsh. I mean, they've been through some crap. So let's talk a little bit about it. Um, the late part of the first era, the Argonians were defeated by the, the Remon Empire at the Battle of Argonia. So after this defeat, the slave traders moved in and they began, you know, the Argonians were defeated. They had a real hard time defending themselves. So the slave traders moved in and started moving these Argonians into large and very large numbers into the Dunmer provinces. And then they were sold for slavery. So the black marsh, instead of being just home to the Argonians really became like a prison province. And besides the slavery of its people, the Argonian history still remained mysterious through much of that time period and especially like through Elder Scrolls Online it's still kind of a mysterious history um, in the second era about year 560 the Argonians people think it's the Argonians but not quite sure because it's all such a mystery but it is contemplated that the Argonians struck back at their oppressors and that they launched a deadly disease called the Kanatan flu. Yeah, the Nahatan flu. The Kanahatan flu. <laughs> <laughs> it was Here comes like, the mail. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. Look at look at our article because it has it has it's K N A H A T E N. Oh my god. <laughs> The Nahatan flu. Okay, that's what I'm going to end with. Uh, So this flu, which was speculated to have been launched uh, by an Argonian shaman or by Argonian shaman in retaliation for Argonia's oppression, this flu affected much of Black Marsh. Although it's not clear where it originated, people are saying, well, maybe it was an Argonian shaman that was, you know, really pissed off and he launched his thing, which, you know what? If those people are being oppressed... Good for them for launching the thing. 
But whether it arose from natural causes or was actually created by an Argonian is not known. But here's how the whole thing goes down. And it's actually kind of brilliant. It began in Stormhold, but the disease quickly spread to the entirety of the Black Marsh, decimating every single non-Argonian in its path. Wow. The Argonians and the Hist were completely unaffected by the plague. So that could be because they have incredible resistances to poison and disease innately as their race or because it was genetically designed to operate that way and to get everybody else affected in Black Marsh out. So this thing decimated the entire region of Argonia. And even when the land healed years and years later, this was 40 years later, the land eventually healed and became habitable again the fear alone of the disease kept most foreigners from traveling to the province. So Argonia was basically reclaimed by the Argonians hmm. because of the launch of this disease. Wow. Yeah. Again, how it got there is a mystery. Nobody knows. Hmm. Here's a story that you're going to like, and you're probably going to recall this from a certain game. In the third area, and I, and I, I kind of titled this one, you know, how Argonians are very fierce in battle, because they absolutely are. In the third era, during the Oblivion Crisis, these Oblivion Gates were opening all over, and danger were coming out. So an Argonian political faction, a whole bunch of their uh, pow most powerful clans, got together and basically led the charge against the Daedra who were coming through these Oblivion Gates. So the Argonians were like set and ready to go when the gates opened in Black Marsh. And instead of the Daedra coming out of the gates, this group, this army of Argonians went into the gate and basically took the fight to the Daedra on their own immortal plane. That's so awesome. It's awesome. So the surprise attack on the would-be invaders was so devastating in their own realm that the Daedric lieutenants were forced to close the gates themselves to prevent complete defeat by the Argonians. That is awesome. Yes. So who knows how many Argonians lost their lives or are still stuck in oblivion because of the whole because they closed those gates on them. But to keep from completely being overrun, the Daedric lieutenants had to close the gates. And I was like, that is a great example. It's going in my lesson because that shows how fierce and smart and great at guerrilla warfare they are. It's like That's, they're going to do what you don't expect them to do. That is so freaking cool. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so quick note on Merkmire. We know it's coming to ESO in 2018. Um, the region itself is south of Shadowfen, and it is said to have the elusive Naga... But here was kind of, a, this is a, just another one of my fun facts. I'm just kind of, you know, intermixing stuff to keep this fresh and fun. Anyway, the area is rumored to be a full zone of its own in ESO, as opposed to just, you know, like a little supplementary area that they're going to add in. And I guess this was leaked at the um, community event the devs of ESO had in LA for E3 this year. Mm -hmm. At least that's what. I read on the wiki. 
you always have to believe everything on the internet, right? So, because it's all true. So anyway, I thought that was cool. Just a little fun fact to throw in. Let's talk a bit about Argonian culture. We've already talked about how the Argonians are incredibly codependent on the uh, histories and Black Marsh. Not much is known about their culture otherwise, just because they were strict isolationists. They had very, very powerful tendencies towards being on their own. Um, they had, because of the, you know, all the secrecy that they have going on, people believe that they had that secrecy just because they're such a tribal culture. Um, so being so good in and having a, a true mastery of warfare and guerrilla tactics, Argonians favor ambushes and hit and run tactics to achieve their goals. And I thought that was a super interesting point. Mm-hmm. Um, one cultural aspect that is known of Argonian life relates to their marital customs. And this I also thought was, was kind of neat. It's like, oh my God, oh my gosh, it's so sweet. Oh, anyway. crap. It is customary for an Argonian suitor to present his lover with an Argonian wedding band crafted by the giver. So, Jibs, I want to marry uh, the lusty Argonian mate, right? Okay. Okay. I, I craft a wedding band for her. Now, this ring that I craft for her is very unique and has personal meaning to both the creator and the recipient. I was like, oh, my God, that's sweet. Mm-hmm. The marriage ceremony itself is incredibly long and complex. There's um, rituals spoken in their native language, which is called gel, J-E-L. Hmm. And um, yeah, spoken in the traditional Argonian tongue. Very cool. Interesting. It is interesting. Argonians are incredibly insular we've talked about they trust very few men or mer because most of tamriel considers them beast folk so they're kind of consider them to be the low you know on the lower end of the spectrum mm-hmm. they're also the victims of slavery so it's because of the slavery it's led to very rare occurrences of argonians befriending outsiders like they normally just want nothing to do with outsiders but when they do Argonians are known for being incredibly loyal to friends of other races uh, to the point to they will absolutely fight to the death for that friend. Wow. Also, also love that. Like that's super cool. So, and then also because of their struggle struggles with slavery, they have an incredibly deep, deep hatred for the Dunmark the original enslavers of the Argonians. Oh. (laughs) Totally get that. The hatred eventually led to the Argonian invasion of of Morrowind during the Fourth Era, where they took over a lot of Morrowind. Um, There is no known religion that is traditional to Argonians because of their close affection for the Hist. The Hist is said to be incredibly intelligent and fully conscious, which connects the Argonians through the Hissap, which we talked about, um, which is the reason that there really is no official religion because they have such that strong connection to the Hist. But it is worth Mm -hmm. noting, we also talked about it in a previous lore lesson when we talked about Dark Brotherhood, that the Argonians do acknowledge the existence of Sithis. So... Because some Argonians are that are born under the sign of the shadow are given to the Dark Brotherhood at birth, 
and trained to be stealthy, sneaky, sneaky, stabby, stabby assassins known as the Shadow Scales, um, they do believe that Sithis exists. The Shadow Scales uh, serve Black Marsh as spies and assassins for political for political gain. We did talk about that in a previous lore lesson. Thought I'd throw it in here just because it's really freaking cool. So that, in a nutshell, right. is the Argonian race. And um, still probably the number one race for a um, tank build. Still talked so about. Cool. It is so cool. Um, I have a, a... He's kind of a newish... Argonian tank, and he's really a lot of fun. The sustain on that character for his resources is incredible. So, yeah, if you're going to roll a tank, solid choice wow. to roll an Argonian. Man, these these lore lessons never cease to make me think a second time about a race, even including to about me rolling a new character with said race. Um, yeah. When we first started this show, I passionately hated the Altmer. Now I find myself with an, like I see their point of view. I see where they come from. And now, I mean, we you know we did the Red Guard. Now I'm I'm rolling a Red Guard. Now with with the Argonians, I want to make an Argonian. They're so they have such a nobleness about them in the way that they do things, and they're very genuine. Yeah. And I I love it. I love their outlook on life. Yes, and as a uh... As I went through the lore lesson and put it together, I consider the Argonians to be kind of like a gentle giant, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you, you know, like they've been through some incredible hardships. They have a deep sense of connection to where they're from. They're incredibly kind to one another. But when you cross them, they will devastate you with their their martial knowledge, the knowledge of their own environment. They use it to their advantage and they use their their racial and physical prowess. Um, and, you know, their, their physical features, they use them as an absolutely devastating offense. So I see them really as gentle giants, you know, kind of the, the, uh, the silent warrior type thing. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some notable Argonians. Uh, there's a few. There's a couple in here that I think you'll probably get a chuckle at. But um, there's Amusei. She is from... Ooh, it's a he, sorry. From Elder Scrolls Oblivion. He is the Argonian that you see in the Imperial City who is taking the Thieve Guild admission test with you, the Hero of Kvach. Um, so that's Amusei. Then there's Captain One-Eye in Elder Scrolls Online. He is an Argonian pirate found in Cold Harbor searching for ancient treasure. And then you can also, um, or he's searching for the ancient treasure located within the lost fleet. I specifically remember that quest line. It was really cool. And then there's everybody's favorite. She kind of makes me laugh because of the tales that you hear is, um, the Argonian called lifts her tail. She is the (laughs) famous Argonian female from the book. The lusty Argonian made a song. Um, I'm sure you've seen that book out there. It's a very risque book with a lot of sex, sexual undertones. Um, pretty hilarious. And then, of course, there's Sees All Colors in Elder Scrolls Online. She is the leader of the Fighters Guild. Just a few notable Argonians that I'm sure you've run into. 
but uh, pretty pretty cool race. I enjoyed the lore lesson, and I, like you, Jibs, have also... I'm starting to go toward the way of having one of every race on my roster. And so far, because of the lore lessons, I have a Khajiit, I have Bosmer, I have Altmer, I have a Red Guard, and I also have an Argonian. So, who knows? That's probably awesome. roll an orc after the next lesson. Yeah. Yeah, that... I can see that happening as well. <laughs> yeah. I've been looking for sure. Oh, man. That's something I'm oh, supposed hey. to deliver. Your hands only. Here's the mail. Mail time. Thanks so much. Uh, all right. Well, you have come back at us with some more mail. And this week, what's the name? Lucas. This is after listening to the last episode, I wondered as a new player, can I skip the main story altogether and go straight to Somerset? Will this affect my gameplay negatively? Hmm. Um Do you want the lead on this or you want me to take the lead? You take the lead on this one. I'll grab the next one. Okay. Uh I would say uh, well first off, yes, you can go straight to Somerset. Uh you don't have to do any of the main storyline. You can go straight to the new DLC. You can go. You can do five quests in Somerset and go off tomorrow, and if you want to, it, it, you really can go wherever you want to go. Especially with one Tamriel nowadays, you can do just about anything, anywhere. And so, to answer the first part of your question, yes, you can skip the story altogether. Will it affect any of the gameplay negatively? Um, I would say it depends on the kind of adventure you're wanting. If if you just want to experience the Somerset content, you know, if maybe you're looking if you're looking at the story just with different chapters, and you're not ready for the main storyline chapter yet. Okay, do that later. That's fine. You really it won't really affect you negatively. Um, not that I can remember off the top of my head. Um, you can totally get by with skipping it and you'll be fine um, maybe you'll come back and do it another time and, and they the, it's not like the expansions really yes there's there's and we kind of mentioned this before yes there's parts of other expansions where stuff is kind of led into one or the other and you'll hear you know little um, uh, kind of little easter eggs that kind of prepare you for the next one but overall right. They're not really stacked as far as that you have to do this and this and then this and then this. You can really kind of go out and adventure and do what you want, how you want to do it. Right. I would say it would definitely enhance your gameplay. Yeah. If you, especially if you are somebody who pays attention to the story and enjoys the story, then I would absolutely recommend doing that. That's probably the most optimal thing. Um, because you're going to see people in Somerset. You'll see characters in Somerset that is from the rest of the game. Now, if you're just starting right now and you want to go into Somerset and do it, no, it's not going to negatively affect you too, too bad. Um, just You're just going to be doing it the, the opposite way. Because if you were to start right now as a brand new player and try and go through every storyline, every main storyline, it's going to take you a minute to do it right i'm talking it's going to take you weeks before you can even touch somerset's content if you want to do it in order 
but you don't need to. You can go do Somerset's stuff right now. And then when you're done with Somerset, go back and catch all the other stuff. But that's the beauty of this game. You pick a direction, travel in that direction, and you're going to run into some amazing content to play. Absolutely. Uh, next one here is from Ronald. I'm going to let you take this. Ronald says, I just got a quick question for you about your alts. I picked up the game this past February, and I've been playing mostly an Imperial Stam DK, Stamina Dragonite, for questing and dungeons and whatnot. I started a High Elf Sorcerer that I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with, and a Khajiit Stamina Templar that I'm using for PvP, which I just got into thanks to your Battleground segment. You're welcome. How do you guys nice. manage your alts? That's the question. How do you guys manage your alts? Do you have certain characters for certain aspects of the game, like I seem to be leaning towards, or do you play all content with all characters? I think I'm a pretty good candidate to answer this one. Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> so I have a lot of alts. I just bought an additional character slot to roll another PvP character um, via the crown store. Needless to say, I've put a lot of time into the game. Most of all my characters are 50, except for one. Um, I have struggled with this exact thing. So the way I do it is this. And, and trust me, this is relatively new for me because I was finding myself so overwhelmed with the amount of characters that I have that it was starting to bum me out. I mean, almost kind of stressed me out a little bit. Like, God, what am I going to do? And I'd stare at the, at the character login screen just going, what character am I going to play today? I hated that. So what I've come up with is this. I have my main character. My main character is Cash the Lore Seeker. He is my Sork. My Magicka Sork. I love playing him. He's gotten incredibly powerful i'm having a blast playing him i have played most of my content on that character that's what i'm going to stick with so my pve content is going to be with cash the lore seeker now that being said i also love dungeons so if i go into dungeons i can also take because i have a max level i have three max level healers but i really enjoy my templar so I usually will take my Templar with me and go heal a dungeon. I'm still doing content with him, but I'm not doing the massive story content that I normally do with Cash the Lore Seeker, my main Sork. Then I have a crafting character. This character is a Magicka uh, Sorcerer. No, I take that back. A Magicka Nightblade. And I he does all of my farming I take him out and I do all of my um, my treasure hunting with him. Um, you know, when I get the um, treasure hunting maps or my um, crafting resource maps, I take those and I do them all on him. He has all the crafting stuff pretty much maxed out. When I need to craft an item, it, I do it on him. When I have excess items, I send them to the bank and then they go to him. He does all the deconstruction. So really, other than maybe alchemy, I don't do crafting on any other character besides my main crafter. Um, and then I have, a, I have a, a couple of PvP characters I play. 
Um, and I'll probably be whittling that down just to one PvP character I play. So I'm really trying to clean up my roster of superfluous characters. But all of my story content gets done on one character. And it's very difficult to stick to that. But that is what, right now, is what I'm choosing to do. Because I don't want to have achieve. I want to try and get all achievements on one character if I can. And one character that I really enjoy the gameplay on. And that's going to be my Sork. So, if I could give you any advice. Have an alt for PvP and one for PvE. But I know how incredibly difficult it is to do in this game. Because there are so many outstanding builds that you can that you can do all the races are cool you know as evidenced by jibs and i talking these lore lessons and now we have characters of all these different races um because there's just so much content but it, it lends to the replayability of this game i mean i've been through you know cold harbor and you know the main story quest line and stuff on several of my characters just because i dig it so much so yeah any advice so you don't get overwhelmed by game content stick to the pve on you know maybe one maybe two characters for the pve content and then maybe have a pvp character if you like to do that too i agree 100 percent. like yeah finding a class that really you know pairs well with you um is pretty important and for the longest time you know sork dps i mean shoot if anyone's listening to the show from the beginning you'll know my whole journey with eso coming back to it um, now, lately, I've been really leaning towards my DPS Warden instead of my Sork. And so what, re- what I'm saying is find a class that you really are passionate about, that you really enjoy the mechanics, you love everything from top to bottom, and use that. You know, use that. And just like Cash said, you know, have a couple alts. But that was good. I dig it. You have a uh, character, um, um, what's that called? Uh, o- not OCD. Um... Yeah, I have altaholism. Altaholism, that's it. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Badly. Mm, you do. Well, everyone, this was episode 17. We hope you enjoyed it. This was the Lore Seekers podcast. And if you guys liked it, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you think of our episodes. Head on over to iTunes. Uh, leave us a review. For every five-star review, we show you some love on the show. We've got a couple here. A couple shout-outs. This one from uh, K4L says, Episode number 14. This is referencing the time that we talked about um, what we want to see in the next expansion. I think it was like top three things we want to see. Anyway, everything my friends and I talk about for improving the game comes up on the podcast. Like, Like real guild houses, home NPC packs, and limiting quest starters in their player in their player harassment, just to name a few. (laughs) I hope ESO is listening. These guys are very informative with a positive voice and hilariously fun. Anyone listening will not be disappointed in the quality of this show. Fargal Xbox Guild GM. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. That's awesome. Xbox Guild GM, the dude. What's up, man? Uh, Next one, the last one here from El Nobby. (laughs) Can we pause on that name for just a second? Go ahead. El Nobby. I lol. (laughs) <laughs> it's a great and name unpause. <laughs> unpause. I've been a TSO player since beta favorite MMO by far I just love these guys so informative I love the lore lessons keep up the great work well thanks so much we appreciate that we really do that's um, really cool 
Agreed. Love reviews, love emails, love voicemails. We love it all. Even even though, you know, every once in a while we make it an email we're not too fond of. <laughs> yeah, we love That's, it. You know what, though? Uh, you know, um, hearkening back real quick to um, uh, to Fairgall's mention of ESO listening. Mm-hmm. I really hope they are, and I think there's one out there that's listening to us. I'm just going to shout him out. It's beautiful Jay. We love you. Man, bro. Yeah, he's, you know, we really appreciate, we we spend a lot of time on Twitter, and beautiful Jay, who is one of the developers over at um, Elder Scrolls Online, tweets us back and not that we haven't gotten tweets back from them before because the, the um, community team is very engaged um, we've seen a lot of stuff we've seen stuff from Rich Lambert thank you but Beautiful Jay likes our stuff all the time and that from our perspective to know that this game that we love and, and the developers of this game that we love are listening to us is amazingly humbling and it's really appreciate it agreed it's very appreciated especially in a world now where streaming's a big thing and and uh podcasting is although it's growing believe it or not it's you know it's not streaming and so just having that support uh, and that communication it really does mean a lot we really do appreciate yeah. it uh you can call us at 765-382-6961 you can also email us, lorestickerspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Cash, we're on guilds. Yes, we are. If you're looking for a great adult guild for working professionals and parents, you can uh, give Mog Nation a shot. They're a multi-gaming guild. You can apply for membership at mog-nation.com. The uh, guild chapter for ESO is only North American PC, unfortunately. Um, a great RP guild, socan.engine.com. This is the Divine Conclave. They're an outstanding RP guild for new RPers and veterans. And then, of course, the official Lore Seekers Guild. You can join us at loreseekerspodcast.com forward slash guild. Join our Discord. We will get you in the guild that way. Uh, we continue to have some really good activity going on. Now we got some PvP going on. There's a lot of talk and speculation about fallout 76 and other bethesda games and we're kind of everything bethesda which i think is super fun it is fun and really good people we still don't have any douchebags love it i love the people i love the community i love man i love bethesda dude (laughs) this is we're here and with bethesda for the long freaking haul man Anyway, uh, you can get this show anywhere where podcasts are available. We're we're all over. We're on Spotify. That was a big deal for us. We're proud of that one. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere, anywhere. You guys are using all kinds of apps. I know iTunes isn't the go-to anymore, uh, or excuse me, the the only go-to anymore. Um, we got people listening from all over. Um, very different ways every time so um, we're all over the web you can find us there you can follow myself on twitter at jibs irl cash at mod cash and most importantly the podcast at lore seekers cast we hope you guys enjoyed the show and uh we'll be back next week man for the last racial motif yeah we're talking orcs yeah they're green they're big they're mean they drink they drink mead Dolly Dolly. Dolly Dolly. Yeah, that one. 
I saw a hat that said Dilly Dilly. TM. Today. Did you? I almost yeah. picked up for you, but then I saw a shirt. And I thought it. how thought how dorky you'd look in a dilly dilly hat, so I didn't buy well, it. Well, I almost bought you a wig the other day. <laughs> I did. <laughs> that is some hurtful shit, bro. <laughs> that is hurtful. <laughs> You're a face right now. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, you're a dilly dilly hole.